reading is taken from Acts chapter 20. We're starting at verse 17. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time, from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course on the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years, I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. Amen. It is with a great sense of joy I come to preach this charge to new elders here this evening, for I know what it will mean to you as a congregation to have as your spiritual leaders and how your new spiritual leaders will help you shape and mould the life and witness of your congregation here in first Porta Down and God willing beyond. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is at Miletus and he sends for the elders of the church at Ephesus to come and meet with him for a farewell address. Now, farewell addresses, as we should all know, are always important. For we want to say something of significance and importance and worthwhile in them. Paul is aware that there are problems in the church at Ephesus, and so he goes to give a charge to the elders. Verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained by his own blood. Paul commences his charge to the elders. Pay careful attention to yourselves. 
He has said to us that we can only care for the flock if we pay careful attention to ourselves. So in order to attend to the flock, we must attend to ourselves. Elders. Why is that important? Let me put it like this. Water never rises above its own level. Water never arises above its own level. And so what we do as elders in our service for the Lord will never rise above what we are in our walk with God. There is an interior spiritual life we must guard and attend if we are to care for the flock. We have been given grace. We have been given grace and love and mercy and truth, not just to be hoarders of that grace and mercy and truth, but to be channels of it. And to be such channels of grace called and used by God, we must be guarding ourselves against the devil, the world, and the flesh. We live in a day when appearances and success seem so important. But appearance is absolutely no substitute for content. Christian gifts and abilities are no substitute for Christian character and holy living. We can take part in church events. We can exercise even spiritual gifts and use our talents and yet do it all from a less and sometimes a much less holy life. Robert Murray McShane, Robert Murray McShane once said, My people's greatest need is my personal holiness. The interior spiritual life of Robert Murray McShane lived before God who sees all. And this life was modeled before others. The life he lived before God first and foremost was modeled out in how he lived before others. Our fight for holiness is not with other people. It is not with difficult circumstances. Our problem is with ourselves. The spiritual fight for obedience to God is to open his word when we feel cold and when we feel dry. It is to bend our knees in prayer when we feel God has just let us down. Or it is to trust God even when the problems seem bigger than God himself. D.L. Moody once said, I have more trouble with D.L. Moody than anybody else I know. Add to this what A.T. Tozer wrote, and I think we have some really sound advice here this evening. Here's what Tozer wrote. Do you know who I pray for most in my pastoral work? Answer, myself. 
We must hear Paul clearly, really clearly here. Pay careful attention to yourselves. Next, Paul says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. The elder is tasked with the job of caring for the sheep, and he is asked to pay the same careful attention to the sheep that he does to himself. The whole emphasis in eldership here is in servanthood. It's not in lording it over the flock. It is in serving the flock in the name of the Lord. The elder's ability to lead is confirmed in his ability to serve. He is not merely caring for a group of nice, well-intentioned people. He is caring for the church for which God gave his only begotten son to the cross of Calvary. He is caring for those who are at the center and the focus of God's redeeming love. And in watching over them, the elder will watch for their spiritual progress. He will watch for the pitfalls they may well fell into. He will apply the word of life to them. He will pray for them. He will pray for them when they find it hard to pray for themselves. And by looking after their spiritual lives like a shepherd, he knows, a good shepherd, he knows the name of his sheep and his sheep know him. Remember the good shepherd said that he knew his sheep and the sheep knew his voice. Learning to know people and get alongside them and into their lives is something that does not happen overnight. The elder must invest time and commitment to the sheep because that is the very essence of pastoral care. This is vital for the church today and in every day and age. Next, Paul says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. In this call to eldership, Paul tells us that it is the Holy Spirit who has made us overseers, elders, bishops. This verse clearly tells us that it is God the Holy Spirit who makes and appoints an elder to the office of eldership. During the election process which you had, when we vote for a potential elder, we recognize a man uh, who has the biblical qualifications and the spiritual gifts for which God has given him. But that is not making an elder. That domain belongs to the Spirit of God alone. The primary mover in the whole process of making elders is the Holy Spirit, Paul tells us. That means, first and foremost, an elder is one who is born again of the Spirit of God. He has been moved upon by the Spirit of God, giving him a new birth that has its life in Christ Jesus and is received by faith in Christ. 
Let me take an extended thought on that point for a few moments. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 6, Jesus says to Nicodemus, we know the story well. Nicodemus is a, 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 a deeply religious Pharisee. And Jesus says to him, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus, he is alive, he is well, he is steeped in the study of his Bible every night. He is a religious Pharisee. He was born of human parents, flesh gives birth to flesh. But Jesus really says to Nicodemus, yes, you are physically alive, Nicodemus. But you are spiritually dead. You are as dead as dead can be. Dead to God. And if you are to be made alive to God, something from the outside must happen to you. Something from above must come to you. Nicodemus. You must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit of God. Nicodemus needed a new birth because he was dead to God. And no amount of reformation or self-improvement could ever change or correct that. What he needed was new birth, born of the Spirit of God. Let me hold that thought for another moment. Next in the story, Jesus points out that the Spirit of God who brings about new birth, it's not man does it, it's the Spirit of God who does it. The Holy Spirit blows upon the old dead hearts of whom he wills, doing his invisible and mysterious work of infusion, supernatural power that unites us to Christ, uh, the giver of eternal life. And we look to him in saving faith, and we see him hang on a cross and believe that he alone saves us from our judgment that was due to us. He saves us from the curse and the death of our sin deserves. When the Spirit of God brings new birth, Old hearts of stone are replaced, and they're replaced with warm, receptive hearts that see in Jesus what they never saw before. Seeing him a saving grace, to see in him the beauty of holiness, to see in him with delight and the treasure in him above all earthly treasures. Here's the point. The Spirit gives light and life and elicits faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So from the very off, the elder is born again of the Spirit of God. He is indwelt by the Spirit of God, uniting him to Christ, making Christ alive in him and to him and through his work that he has been called to do. The elder is called and equipped for this task. 
by a life dependency upon the Holy Spirit for the personal purity of holiness and his longing after Christ's likeness and for the gifts and ministry given to him in order that he will care for the church the way God has called him to. If the elder is to lead, he is to be led by dependence upon the Holy Spirit. But the elder must not only be a man of the Spirit, but a man of the Word. Listen to Paul in Colossians chapter 1, 28-29. we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ for this toil struggling with all his energy and power the Christ that works within me. Paul toiled in the word. Paul was filled with the spirit of God. He lived with that. But that didn't cancel out the fact that he had to toil and labor in the word of God. He read the word, meditated upon it, pondered it. And when we meditate upon the word and reflect upon it, we wrestle with it. We ask questions of it. Meditating upon the word is taking hold of the word and the word taking hold of us. It is searching the scriptures and the scriptures searching us. It is bending into the scriptures as the scriptures speak into us. It is drawing strength from the scriptures. Letting it speak deeply into our hearts. Filling us with hope and the joy of the gospel truth. The power that wasn't work within Paul was the Holy Spirit illuminating in him, lighting up in him, making experientially real to him through God's word, the beauty and the wonder and the loveliness and the glory of God in the face of Christ. We will never do the work of the elder if we do not attend to the work of the Spirit and the word in our lives. We need to be people of both spirit and the word. Let me finish with a look at the biblical response of the congregation to its leadership. To do that, I want to look at Hebrews 13, verse 17. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. We live in a society today that does not take lightly such words, submit, submit to their authority. We like to do our own thing. We like pursuing what we think is right and good for me. We are not good at accepting the authority of another to rule over us. This is the bent of mind and thinking in our Western world. But we have in these verses a clear, a wise 
on a biblical reason why God's people and local congregations are called to have confidence in their leaders and submit to their authority. The thought in this verse is that the church member should obey the elder, not simply or solely because he is commanded to, and he is, but because he has a trust and a confidence in the elder that comes from being deeply persuaded by the elder's conduct of life, by his teaching, by the graces he displays and demonstrates, and by the practice of living out God's word. Such a life in the elder encourages a good relationship of trust and develops a response of thankfulness and makes a congregation open and teachable, makes them a people ready to learn and not quick to object and complain. This, in turn, gives the elder much joy. It gives him much joy to see his people growing spiritually and dealing with difficulties in a thoroughly biblical way and in a gracious way. And so the congregation ought to obey the elders in a way that makes the elders' task a joy. Because one day, One day the elder will have to give an account to the Lord of the leadership that was required for him when he was pastoring and feeding the flock. Question. Will that report, that account that the elder has to give To God, will it be one of joy? Or will it be one of sorrow? It is incumbent upon the congregation that they let the elder fulfill his task of caring for the souls of the congregation with joy. The whole point of this verse is to show that the leader's joy, the leader's joy will profit the congregation so that they will grow and develop the way God intends for them to grow and develop. William Lane writes, This clause is a sober reminder that the welfare of the community, the church, is tied into the quality of their response to its leadership. It is a beautiful beautiful picture we have set before us here this evening. Two truths are working in harmony. The elder pastoring in joy and the congregation benefiting spiritually by responding obediently to their example of faith, teaching, praying, encouraging, leading. So what can I say in my last sentence to you, the congregation of First Portadown? Pursue the way 
of joy. Pursue the way of joy. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we we bow before your majesty and your glory this evening. We thank you for the new elders and we pray that you will bless them, that they will minister in joy as they see the fruits of their works developing and growing in the life of the congregation. We ask us in the Saviour's name. Amen.